You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit houstonsfirst.org. Women always have more questions than men have answers to. Great example of this. Six, seven months ago, I get a text one day. The text says, please pray for Tom. He was in a bad wreck. I walk into the kitchen where my wife is. I said, hey, I just got a text. said, please pray for Tom. He was in a bad wreck. She said, was he driving? I said, I don't know. I just got a text. said, please pray for Tom. He was in a bad wreck. Were Carol and the kids in the car with him? I don't know. I just got a text. said, please pray for Tom. He was in a bad wreck. Were the people in the other car hurt? I don't know. I just got a text. said, please pray for Tom. He was in a bad wreck. What hospital did they take him to? I don't know. I just got a text. said, please pray for Tom. He was in a bad wreck. She said, well, you don't know anything. What do you know? I know you need to pray for Tom. I just got a text. said he was in a bad wreck. I can tell by the laughter that I've struck a chord. There's more questions that we have answers to at different times, and there can be conflict over silly little things, or there can be conflict over really major things. I want you to turn in your Bible to Song of Songs, chapter 5. Song of Songs, chapter 5. Now, this is the love song of love songs. That's why it's called the Song of Songs. And we've got here courtship, attraction, intimacy last week, and now conflict is what we have this week. Isn't it interesting? We have one chapter on intimacy and two chapters on conflict. And so it is sometimes in marriage, isn't it? One chapter on intimacy and two chapters on conflict. Now, I want you to know that I don't want anybody to tune out. I don't want you to be like, well, I'm single. I don't need to know about this. I'm a student. I don't need to know about this. I'm not married. I don't need to know about this. I'm old. I'm young. Every one of us is going to experience conflict in our life. It may happen at the office, it may happen at the home, it may happen in your family, it may happen with your parents or with your kids. Every one of us, I can guarantee you, 100% guarantee, you will experience conflict in your life. It's just part of a fallen world. 6% of couples say that they report little conflict in their marriage. 60% report moderate conflict in their marriage. 22% report a lot of conflict in their marriage. 85% of all employees say that there's conflict at the office place. 26% of teenagers say that they've had conflict with a friend because of something that was posted online. That there's conflict that happens and it surrounds all of us. And what Solomon and his bride, we're going to see how to fight right is what we're going to see. We're going to understand how to work through conflict because it's going to happen. And it's going to be a journey that we have. So look in your Bible, if you will, into chapter 5, verses 2 through 8. We're going to cover a lot of ground, but I'm going to give you stuff as we go along, okay? So get your pens ready, get your notes ready, write in your Bible if you want to. Here we go, verse 2 of chapter 5 of Song of Songs. The woman says, I was sleeping, but my heart was awake. A sound, my love, was knocking. So some commentators say she was having a dream. Others say this is real life. Verse 2, it continues. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my perfect one. Great start, guys, on this already. Do you see this? This is the guy talking. He says, open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my perfect one. For my head is drenched with dew and my hair with droplets of the night. He's been working all night long and he's come home and he's knocking on the door and saying, I want a good night kiss. I want to talk a little bit. Let's talk. And then she responds and says, I've taken off my clothing. How can I put it back on? I've washed my feet. How can I get them dirty? That is Hebrew for honey. I have a headache is what that is. Okay. (laughs) 
So let's take a stop right there. Here's what's taking place. She's having a dream or it's reality. We don't know. Choose your own adventure. And here he comes home. He's been working all night long and he gets home and she's apathetic. She's gone to bed by herself, maybe too many nights in a row. And she says, I don't want to get up. I don't want to come to the door. I don't want to let you in. I, I, I don't want to put my clothes back on in the sense of, uh, of being able to come to you. I'm just, I'm apathetic. I'm tired, honey. I have a headache. He's been working all night and she is apathetic about it. And I want to give you that as a point. Realize conflict comes in all shapes and sizes and sources. All shapes, sizes, and sources. Now, this is about intimacy that they're having conflict about. And that may be something that you say, okay, I understand that. But it may be money for you. It may be too much work and you've been working too much and uh, you've got a disconnect of the home and the workplace. I don't know what it is for you. It may be you as a single adult, somebody that you're employing, uh, employee or employer, maybe as a student, whatever it is. But it comes in all shapes and sizes. So here though, we see that the man's been working all night long and the woman is apathetic. She doesn't want to get up. Honey, I have a headache. She's got on that comfortable robe, those comfortable pajamas. You know the ones, lady, that get shipped to you automatically at like year 15. It just comes and you're like, this is my robe. I don't care what anybody else thinks about it. This is the one I'm wearing and this is how it goes. And so she's apathetic. He's working too hard. And you end up with two people that are misconnecting and disconnecting in this. Guys, are you spending too much time? Ladies, are you spending too much time at work? Are you spending too much time on other things and not working on your marriage? You've become apathetic. Is there even any hope for you in anymore in your marriage? Or do you realize that it still takes some nurturing and some cultivating of the garden to get the flowers to grow, to connect with your spouse and to make that connection? See, we have to respond instead of just reacting. But let me take you further of what he does. Here's what he does in verse four. My love thrust his hand through the opening this is of the door. My feelings were stirred for him. So she's attracted to him again. I rose to open for my love. My hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with flowing myrrh on the bolts, uh, on the handles of the bolt. That's the doorknob. I opened to my love, but my love had turned away and gone away. My heart sank because he had left. I sought him, but I did not find him. I called to him, but I did not answer. The guards who go about the city found me and they beat me and wounded me and they took my cloak from me and the guardians of the walls. Young women of Jerusalem, I charge you, if you find my love, tell him I am lovesick. Tell him I am lovesick. So here's what happens. They're in a conflict moment and what does the man do? He thrust his hand through the door. There was like a little door opening there and he puts myrrh on the door handles. What does myrrh symbolize? Myrrh symbolizes love is what it symbolizes. He doesn't beat on the door. He doesn't keep knocking going, I know you're in there. Come out here. We're going to have this out right now. He doesn't bump in the door. He doesn't knock in the door. He just says the timing's not right. He opens up the little window there. He puts love on the handle and he leaves and goes away. Has a conflict ever been solved by raising your voice? Have you ever been glad? You've been like, man, once I screamed and yelled at him, things just got better at that moment. That was awesome. I tell you what, once I beat on that door and told her, we are talking right now. I don't care if you're ready to talk or not. We're talking. Is that the way that it works? No, that never helps. So he opens up the door, this little sliding thing, and he puts myrrh on the handle. And he says, I want to respond instead of react. 
See, in conflict, we have a response, and that's usually the wrong one. That's when we go, why did I say that? Why did I do that? I didn't mean that. Please uh, forgive me for that. Or we can react, we can react like that, or we can respond and think it through and say, you know what? It's maybe not the right timing. Just in our own marriage, we don't try, we try not to have a serious conversation after nine o'clock at night. We're both tired. It's not going to go well. Right now, at the same time, we want to make sure that we don't go to bed angry and the sunset on our anger. We understand that verse in, in Ephesians as well, but we want to make sure the timing's just right. So men, he knows the timing's not right. He leaves love on the, on the door handle and she wakes up and goes, where is he? And she opens the door and he's gone. He's given space for that moment. Now, there's going to be four things. I want to give you four things that will be conflict in your marriage or in your life or whatever it is. These four things, I call them the four Ps, the four Ps of conflicts. Here they are. Number one, write them down if you're taking notes, pride, personality, preferences, and predictability. Pride, personality, preferences, predictability. First one is pride. When you've been married a while, you just don't want to hear it anymore. Don't tell me. I don't want to know. I don't want your help on this. Don't tell me what's going on. I just don't want to hear it. Heard a Christian comedian say that he and his wife were having a little conflict, and he told her, he said, honey, I want the adventure of finding the parking spot by myself. <laughs> and she said, okay, I can do that. And now every time he finds a parking spot, she pats his hand and says, you did that all by yourself. Great job. <laughs> Way to go. But it's just pride. I just don't want your help on this right now. And so we got to be careful that our pride doesn't get too high that we end up in conflict. There could be personality. It's like, you know, it's so sweet. He's just so good with money, you say, in dating. And then you're married and you're like, he's the cheapest man on planet Earth. The things that brought you together in your personality that you loved about her. You're looking at her in the kitchen thinking, oh. And the personalities that brought you together, the opposites attract, everything that's great. Now it's a place of aggravation. It's a place of, of, of rubbing each other wrong. It's a place of friction. And so we've got to understand her personality is different than your personality. Your boss is different than your personality. Your teacher, your coworker, your friend on the football team, whatever it is in your world, everybody's got a different personality and they see things differently. So personality can be a place of conflict. Three is preferences. I just like it like this and they like it like that. And we spend, uh, and spend our time fighting about it. The two become one and we argue over which one we became. Did we become Greg? Did we become Kelly? We became a better, a new. The two have become one. And so my preferences are vastly different than her preferences. Hers are different than mine. That could be just on male and female that the preferences can be different. But also it could be upbringing. It could be the ways of seeing the world. It could be personalities, preferences. And then four, and if you've been married a while, you'll know this one, it's predictability. You can be mad over something before it's even happened because you know exactly how he's going to respond. It's very predictable. You know exactly how she's going to respond. It's very predictable. But that's why 1 Corinthians 13 says, love is patient, love is kind. Love does not envy or boast, is not arrogant or prideful. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not irritable. It does not keep records of wrongs, predictability. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. 
So we've got this understanding that it comes in different shapes and sizes and sources. Now look at what her response is gonna be. He's left love on the door handle. Her heart's been touched by that. He's gone off, I'll show you that in a minute. And she's now gonna go searching for him. Watch what happens beginning in verse nine. The young women, this is her gal pals, ladies, they're gonna ask a question. Well, what makes the one you love better than another? Most beautiful of women. What makes him better than another? That you would give us this charge. They're saying, well, what's the big deal about this guy? Who cares, what's up? And she begins not to pout, but to praise, not to complain, but to compliment. You'll never win by publicly disparaging your spouse. Ladies, just don't do it. Don't do it. Don't talk bad about him and to other people. You can have your own little crew that you need to kind of work through some things. But whenever you start talking bad about your spouse in front of somebody else, ladies, you look bad. He doesn't look bad. And gentlemen, the same way, when you begin to talk negatively about your spouse in front of other people, you look bad. She doesn't look bad. Everybody else is like, why is this guy doing this? So just remove it from your vocabulary. And so they say, what's the deal with this guy? Why is he so great? And she doesn't go, oh, I don't know. You know men. Well, you know women. Can't live with them. Can't live without them. You know how she is. She's just like her mom. You know that. She's just like, he's just like his dad. No, listen to what she says when they say, what's the big deal about this guy? Watch verse 10. She chooses praise, not pouting, compliment, not complaining. Here she goes, verse 10. My love is fit and strong, notable among 10,000. I mean, this is the guy. His head is the purest gold. That means he's either noble or maybe he's tan. His hair is wavy, as black as a raven. His eyes are like doves, meaning peaceful. They flow beside flowing streams washed in milk and set like jewels. In the white of his eyes, there's this jewel of the color. Verse 13, his cheeks are like the beds of spice, mounds of perfumes. His lips are lilies dripping and flowing with myrrh. What's myrrh? With love. He speaks lovely words. His arms are rods of gold. He's been doing his curls set with barrel. His body is an ivory panel covered in lapis. That's six-pack abs right there. His legs are alabaster pillars set on pedestals of true and pure gold. He's been doing his, his uh, leg lifts and his squats. His presence is like Lebanon and as majestic as the cedars. When he walks in the room, oh my goodness, you know there's a leader in the room. His mouth is sweetness. He's absolutely desirable. This is, listen to this, I love this. This is my love and this is my friend. That's a beautiful picture of marriage. My lover and my friend. This is my love and this is my friend, young women of Jerusalem. Here's the point. Remember the characteristics that you love about your spouse. Remember the characteristics that you love about your spouse. So she doesn't say, oh, he's been working all night. She says, oh, you want to hear about my man? Let me tell you about my man. This guy, he's got black hair. Oh, it looks good. He's got a tan face or he's noble in character. Oh man, his eyes, you just melt in them. They're like jewels. His arms are strong, but he's strong, but he's also sweet flowing with love. I mean, he has got everything going on. See, we've got an opportunity to either think positive or negative about our spouse. And she goes with the positive to be able to remember the things that she loves about him. Now, ladies, I don't want to set the bar too high, okay? You're never going to meet this guy, okay? 
Never going to meet him. Let me tell you the guy, you just say, praise the Lord for this, okay? Here's our list, men. We're never in the sun because we got desk jobs, much less tan and golden. We use sports clips coupons to get our hair done. We don't have black hair waving like a raven. We're frustrated in traffic. We're tongue-tied when it comes to sweet words. We got a pot belly, chicken leg snoring at night, and we're going to nap on the couch this afternoon. That's what you're going to get, ladies. And you say, praise God for that. That's good. That's a good man there. Just want him to be faithful to me. Remember what you love about him. Remember what you love about her, those characteristics. In this very room, I remember I uh, got to church one day. I get to church a little bit earlier than Kelly. And so she came in during the first song of worship and she came in to sit next to me and she looked at me and she said, do you love me? I said, yeah, I love you. And then she said, well, feed my sheep. No, she didn't say that. Um, <laughs> and she said again, do you love me? And I said, yeah, I love you. What happened is what I, and, 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 do you really love me? I said, yes, I do. And she goes, well, because when I was parking the car at church today, I was turning in the parking garage and I turned a little tight and I scraped the side of the car. And she's picked a perfect time. It's in the middle of worship in front of thousands of church members. What am I going to do? Right? And I'm like, I love you. Don't worry about it. We'll worry about it later. We'll get taken care of later. So then I went and looked at it. And one thing I can give her is she was very consistent. And most people would have stopped when they heard the cracking. She just pushed right on through, just kept on going. So we didn't have to do one panel or two panels or three panels. It's a very consistent pinstripe all the way through the car, which is great. But in that moment, I was like, she's a great mom. She's a great wife. She's a wonderful lady. She can cook like nobody else. She's sweet as she can be. It's no big deal. We can get this fixed instead of blowing the whole thing up. Remember why you love your spouse and choose in that time to take the high road, to take the high road. I'll give you an interesting um, statistic. 96% uh, of conflict that begins negatively for the first three minutes never gets turned around. 96% that the first three minutes is you did what? Never gets turned around. So be real careful about that because there are some big deals that we got to kind of unpack, but there's a lot of no big deals that we're fighting about that's happening. So here's what I want you to do. I want to give you a little fill in the blanks. You don't have to do it right now. You could do it later for homework, but this for everybody. My blank, you could put friend, wife, coworker, employer, husband, parents, kids. My blank is blank. So my wife is awesome. My husband is incredible. My employer is a good leader. Whatever it is, and you can fill it out right now and put it in there. That's your blanks to fill out. If you're not sure, men, what you should put in there, just hand it to your wife, let her fill it out, and she'll hand it back to you, and you hand her yours, and you just kind of do a little flip-flop there to be able to do. Remember the characteristics. Benjamin Franklin said in Poor Richard's Almanac, beware of little expenses. A small leak will sink a great ship. Big bricks build big, or small bricks build big walls. So they take a place of praise. And she says, hey, my guy's not perfect, but let me tell you how great he is. And I'm blessed and grateful to have him. He says, my girl's a little moody right now, but I'm going to just leave love on the door handle and I'm going to head out and wait for the right moment to be able to talk. And you may be in a moment in your marriage that's bigger than just hearing a message 
we put at the bottom, and it'll be here for the whole series of Romance in Real Life, a QR code for our counseling center so that you can make a connection with them, and they can help you kind of unwind some of these knots. It's a hard thing, and it could be a little thing. It could be a whole lot of little things. Sometimes we just need some help, and you can do that. We'd love to help you with that. Look at chapter 6, verse 1 through 3. The young women are going to respond, and she's going to respond in verse 1 through 3. Where has your love gone, most beautiful of women? Which way has he turned? And we will seek him with you, meaning her gal pals are going to help help her find him. Verse 2, my love has gone down to his garden. She knows exactly where he's going. To the beds of spice, to feed in the garden in the, feed in the gardens and gather lilies. Verse three, start, highlight it, underline it, circle it. I am my love's and my love is mine. He feeds among the lily. So in verse two, she says, I know exactly where he went. He went to the garden and that's his place of work. So where's the guy gone? He hadn't gone to the bar with the, his friends. He hadn't gone out with the guys to complain. He said, I'm heading back to work. I'm going to get some things done and I'll wait until she's ready to talk. See, Conflict takes time to process and heal. Conflict takes time to process and heal. There's some things you can handle real quick. There's some things you need to say, you know what? Let's get a little space here. Let's let the emotions come down. So he says, I'm going to go back to work. He's tending the garden. He's working in the garden, just as Adam and Eve tended the garden in Genesis. He's tending the garden and he's working. And then look, guys, underline this, to feed in the gardens and to gather lilies. He's picking flowers for her. Flowers is always a good move, gentlemen, always a good move. So he's got these lilies that are there, and then they're going to make a statement that's a humongous statement. It's a big time statement of commitment. Here's what it is. Verse three, I am my love's and my love is mine. She says, we hadn't made up yet, but I know this. He's committed to me and I'm committed to him. There's no back door. We're not living together. We're married. We're not throwing divorce out in the middle of the fight. We're saying I'm yours and you're mine. We're not throwing out Man, I wish if I'd have known now what I know now, I wouldn't have, no. I'm my beloved's and my beloved is mine. There is a foundation upon which to lay conflict and it's commitment. And when you lay conflict upon commitment, you end up with security. So she secures, she says, I'm going to go find him. I know exactly where he is. He's not with another lady. He's not with the guys at the bar. He's not throwing my name in the mud. I know where he is. He's gone back to work, to provide, to help, to keep doing something great. And I'm going to go and talk to him. And he's gathered flowers and they know that is on a firm foundation. Here's the thing. In the midst of a conflict, you say, hey, I'm yours. You're mine. Kelly and I had this phrase. We got it from a movie years and years ago. Here's what we say. I choose us. I choose us. But sometimes we say, let me give you a hug, you know, uh, right before we say that. But I choose us. The two became one. Who did we become? Greg or Kelly? No, we became a new one. And I choose us. So I'm going to lay down my pride. I'm going to lay down my personality. I'm going to lay down my preferences. And I'm going to lay down guessing how you're going to respond to this situation of predictability. And you're going to either just go through conflict or your relationship can actually grow through conflict. It could be something that you learn and you walk and go through together. And young singles, I want to encourage you, learn how to handle conflict before you get married. 
and you want to be a blessing in your marriage in a great way. Recall the feelings and the commitments that you made to one another. Remember back to those commitments and how this is a small little thing. And let me teach you uh, three letters that a pastor friend taught me. He taught this to his church. I want to throw it out to you. It's the three letters N-B-D. Okay, we're going to say that together. N-B-D on the count of three. One, two, three. N-B-D. One more time. N-B-D. It means no big deal. And the older you get, the bigger the bucket in your life has got to be of no big deal. When you're young, everything's a big deal. It's not a big deal. And throw as much as you can into the no big deal section of life. Because if not, those little foxes in the vineyard will begin to eat away at the flowers. It's no big deal. Let me give you an example from Kelly and I's very life. She's been worried all week. I, I've been trying to pick a fight with her to get an illustration. So, uh, but it hadn't worked. She stood strong. So I can go way back when we were in College Station and we lived there and I was traveling, speaking in a lot of different places. And it seemed like one of the places I'd go a lot would be Dallas. So we would head up driving from College Station up to Dallas and I'd speak at a church or a camp or a retreat or this out of the other, whatever it is. And we'd come back. It'd be a hot Texas summer afternoon in February, you know, coming down. And so we'd be driving back and right about Calvert, Texas, cute little town, there'd be a DQ the Texas stop sign. There it is. And we're young in our 20s. And I'm coming back from speaking at this thing. And I'm like, you know what? Let's get, I love those chocolate dip cones. Those are so good. Still love them to this day. Just amazing. Don't eat as many as I used to in the, my 20s, but but I uh, love those. And so I'd pull in and I'd say, Kelly, do you want a chocolate dip cone or anything you want? I mean, we're a dairy queen, honey. You get whatever you want. I so said, I'm going to get a chocolate chip uh, chocolate dip cone. And she says, no, I, I don't want anything. And so I'd order my chocolate dip cone and I'd get my chocolate dip cone and I'd take one little bite and she'd go, can I have a little bite? <laughs> she likes the food still on my plate better than the food on her plate for some reason. And so I said, sure. And she takes a bite. And then I take a little bit and she goes, ask them if they have a spoon. Do y'all have a spoon? So I get a spoon. Those long red ones. Can I have another bite? Can I? And she'd eat most of my chocolate dip cone. So this happened two or three times until finally I start getting mad like 10 miles outside of Calvert. <laughs> I'm starting to be like, then I know what's going to happen. So we pull in. So now I'm saying to her, I say, look, Kelly, I'll buy you whatever you want at Dairy Queen. You can get a cone for each fist, but I am going to eat my entire chocolate dip cone. So you do whatever, you get whatever you want. And I'm trying to say it as sweet as possible. It's kind of bubbling up in me though. I'm like, but this is not happening anymore. Okay. So she says, no, I don't want anything. And so then I say, okay. So I get my chocolate dip, dip cone and I could see it in her eyes. And I go, don't do this guys. Do not do this. I go. <coughs> and I cough all over the chocolate dip cone, which of course now, you, that was not nice. That was not fair. And I got the chocolate dip cone all to myself. It was a master move to be able to do this. Let me tell you where that goes into the categories of having a fight. N-B-D. No big deal. Let your entire cone get eaten so that your entire marriage doesn't. And to allow it to be, it doesn't matter. 
Stop at the next Dairy Queen. There's another small Texas town coming up. I bet there's going to be another one. And to be able to say, NBD, this is the woman I love. I'm the man she loves. Give whatever you want. Do whatever you want. We'll share whatever you want. And recall the feelings about that. Recall them, repeat them. Husbands, watch what happens in this next part here of verse four. The man's gonna respond. She's repeated her love to him. What's he gonna say? Yeah, I told you so. You're right, you should be apologizing to me. You're right, you should be searching me out. I went back to the office because I'm mad. What does he say? Here we go, verse four. You are as beautiful as Tirzah. That means pleasantness. My darling, lovely as Jerusalem, awe-inspiring as an army with banners. That means weak need. Turn your eyes away from me, for they captivate me. You're still my girl. Your hair, do you remember this from last week? This is a repeat of chapter four. Your hair is like a flock of goats streaming down from Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of ewes coming up from washing. Each one has its twin, not one is missing. My girl brushes her teeth and got all her teeth. Good woman. Verse seven, behind your veil, your brow is like a slice of pomegranate. She's blushing. Verse eight, there are 60 queens and 80 concubines and young women without number. This is not Solomon's harem. That's gonna come later. It's gonna be the the fall of the kingdom in his marriage. He's just saying, you're better than all people, all ladies. Verse nine, my dove, my virtuous one is unique. She's the favorite of her mother, perfect to the one who gave her birth. Women see her and declare her fortunate. Queens and concubines, they sing praises to her. Who is like the one who shines like the dawn and beauty as the moon, bright as the sun, awe-inspiring as the army banners? Do you, how can you have a fight after that? How can you have a fight after she says all these things about this guy, all these things that, she, that he's saying about her? What happens? He goes, it's no big deal. The door handle's got love. I'm committed to you, honey. I'm not going anywhere. Hey, we all have a bad day. Let's walk this out in a great way of saying, let me love you and care for you. Ed Cole says, a man does not own his marriage. He is only a steward of his wife's love. And what happens here is reconciliation and deeper understanding are the goal. What's the goal? The goal is reconciliation and deeper understanding. Well, tell me why that bothered you. Well, is it something that's going on in my life? We use this language at the church and also use it and can use it in relationships. Is it an episode, a rerun, or a series? Is it an episode, a rerun, or a series? Why does this keep happening? What's going on here? What is it? Okay, fine. I'll just order my own ice cream cone. Let's just, let's figure out what the deal is because we're letting the little foxes rob our vineyard and we're so, really many of us, we're so stressed out. We're so hyped up. We get in there and it's just, it just, we're, we're taking our aggression that was really somebody else made us mad and we're taking it out on our wife or our husband or our kids or our parents or our employers reconciliation and deeper understanding. That's the goal. In the heat of conflict, emotions can make us lose sight of the goal and it's to know one another better. And here we see forgiveness extended, love expressed and reconciliation achieved. Let me show you our last couple verses in verses 11 through 13. Or yeah, 11 through 13. Here's what it says. The woman says, well, I came down to the walnut grove to see if the blossoms, see the blossoms of the valley, to see if the vines are budding and the pomegranates are blooming. She's saying, I'm trying to come down to see if you're still mad or the blossoms blooming again. Is it spring again or is it winter? Verse 12, I didn't know what was happening to me. 
I felt like I was a, in a chariot with a nobleman, meaning he whisked me off my feet, put me back in the chariot. You remember in chapter four, she's in a chariot. She says, I'm right back where I started. I don't have to pay the price for a few days. It's right back because I'm my beloved's and he is mine. We are committed to each other in holy matrimony between a man and a woman. There is no back door. Verse 13, so the young women, the girl pal, the gal pals say this, come back, come back, Shulamite. They're calling her a Shulamite. I'll tell you what that means in a minute. Come back, come back, that we may look at you. And the man says, how you gaze at the Shulamite as if you're looking at the dance of two camps. Shulamite is this, the man would be called Shula. And then she would be called Shulamite. What these ladies are saying, there goes Joe and Josephine. You couldn't put peanut butter and jelly better. They are together. And then he says the ending, he says, come and watch as we're two camps, disagreeing, who dance. What happens with the dance? There's unity that's back in that in verse 13. So choose us. Work through it. Remember the great things about her and about him. The grass is not greener on the other side. It still must be mowed. And take care of the relationship. When you go through a time of conflict, here she is. He's working too hard. She's apathetic as the illustration. He leaves love on the door handle. He doesn't beat down the door. She responds with realizing, oh, no, I shouldn't have done it like that. And she seeks him out. She compliments him. He compliments her. And at the end of it, here they are dancing together to be able to have the reconciliation together. Where do we see reconciliation? We see it in Jesus Christ. That's where we see it. That Jesus Christ put blood, if you will, love, if you will, not on the door handles, but on the nails of the cross. So that the door handle into heaven, Revelation chapter three, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Whoever opens, I come into him and he comes into me. I am my beloved's and my beloved's is mine. Jesus has got love on the door handle. Jesus has got love on the nails. He's got love on his brow. He's got love in his side. He has died and he has made it so that you could ride in the chariot with him in heaven, knowing that you are put back to a real relationship with Christ, just if I'd never sinned. I'm restored to the garden so that I could go to heaven. Do you see it? I'm back in the chariot. I'm right there with him, just as if I'd never sinned, justified in the forgiveness of my sin has been washed clean. Let me tell you what, I don't know where your marriage is. I don't know where your employer is. I don't know where your friendships are. I don't know what conflict you got in your life. But I know this, you got to go to Jesus first. And you get the love relationship with Jesus taken care of and you take his love on the cross. It won't matter if she wants a salad and you want barbecue. You're not going to fight about it. It's no big deal because Jesus has put you together. And when God does those things, we're reconciled with God so then watch, I can be reconciled with you. And you could be reconciled with her. She could be reconciled with you, whatever relationship it is. And there'll be the things that we work through together for God to use in our lives. Jesus is what this whole thing is pointing to. He'll never leave you or forsake you. Father, we come in Jesus' name and we thank you, Lord that our relationship with you is secure. 
We know you as Savior, our relationship is secure. Father, for those that don't know you as Savior, if they would know the love, the myrrh on the door handle of heaven, on the nails of the cross, the stone that was rolled away, drenched in loving myrrh of heaven, inviting us to come. Father, for marriages, that this has been a tough message. Help them, Lord, even now, maybe to grab one another's hand in a good marriage as well. Just choose each other. For those that are single and single again, may they find your love and walk with you. For those that don't know you, they trust you as Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations, at The Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.